So last week I started with speaking about from purity to power. If we want to walk in power, we need to first walk in purity. And so this, this morning I want to say we need to live pure lives so we can live in God's power. But God's power enables us to live radical lives. I think towards the end of this meeting, we will have repentance again because God is wanting us to live a radical life, something that's different from those around us. Uh, that word radical means it's characterized by departure from tradition, first of all. You know, some people, you ask them, so are you a Christian? They say, yeah, I'm an Anglican. I'm just, I'm not picking on Anglican, I'm just picking on Presbyterian, Methodist. You say, so which church do you go to? Oh, no, no, my mom and dad used to go to that church. So like it's, if you're born into that household, that's what you become. And for me, that's not a departure from tradition. That's just living in tradition. A radical approach to everything we do and say. I, I must be honest, a, a lot of Christians... They, they jump around at the front and they go mad on a Sunday. And then on Monday, when they go to work, they dive under the carpet. And nobody even knows that they are a Christian. And actually, the reason we are saved, it tells us in Acts 1.8, that we go and make witnesses. First on our doorstep, then in our community, then in our country, and then into the nations of the world. And so that's radical, that's different. So radical surgery is when they cut something out so that you are cured. They cut it totally out. There's nothing left behind that can be a problem. So if we need that radical surgery in our lives, we need to ask the Lord, Lord, please come, please remove what is holding me back from being a radical Christian. So what does a radical Christian look like? The first thing is relationship versus Religion. Relationship versus religion. What do I mean by that? We don't do it because we have to. We do it because we want to. We do it because we want to. The, the, uh, we serve Jesus because we want to, not because somebody, our best friend, has told us to come along to church and now we're going along to church and we're doing it because we have to, because we want that friendship. No, we do it because we want to. So 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 6, it says, Who, who has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Not in my strength, but in the strength of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit to enable us, we're not going to be able to do what God has called us to do. It's just not possible. In our own strength, we will get embarrassed. Why? Because we've got pride in our life. God needs to come by the power of His Holy Spirit. Take that pride out so we're not embarrassed, so we can do it. Why don't people like to come to the front to worship? They're worried about what other people are going to think. Sometimes. Not always. Sometimes. You need to be thinking as I'm saying this. Do, is that the reason I don't go to the front and worship? I did say to Patty, I think we need to actually take this front row 
and put it in the back row because there's actually not much space here on the front. But to give people opportunity to worship, it's not an opportunity to, for you to make a fool out of yourself. It's, it's to give you some space that you can worship. It's not because you come to the front, you're more, you're more spiritual. No, our guys like to worship. They like to jump. They like to shout. They like to clap. And so we like to give them more space to do that. Not because we have to. Not because Roland tells us we have to or the worship leader tells us we have to. No, because I want to. I don't jump as much as I used to. Patty says, why don't you jump as much as you used to? I said, hey, babe, I'm 62 now. I know you think I look like I'm 30, but I'm, I'm 62. One of the things we have to face is, as those that love Jesus, we have to guard against being sidetracked into becoming more acceptable to society. We can't be sidetracked into becoming acceptable. We, we do things because it's okay with the people that we work with, the ones that we live with, all those things, we, we, we just find ourselves doing what they think is okay for us to do, and we don't do it if, it if it's unacceptable to them. So we can't allow this pressure. We're radical people. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit. We can't allow this pressure to move us towards what everyone else is doing and what everyone else is saying. We can't. We can't be those that are, are saying the right things at the right time. A, a political correctness, and I'm not talking about politics, I'm talking about saying the right things at the right time. We need to be aware of that. Everything about God is radical. God's kingdom, if you want to go up, you must go down. God's kingdom, if you want to be first, you must be last. And we all say, oh no, God's kingdom's upside down. No, the world's kingdom's upside down. Not our, not our kingdom. If we want to live, we must die. His kingdom, the kingdom of God is radical. It's a reflection of His character, of who He is. Andre said that this morning. He spoke about the lion and the lamb. I think as we move into end times, we're going to see more of the lion. We've seen a lot of the lamb, but we're going to see more of the lion as he begins to roar over his people, his inheritance. We are part of his inheritance. We belong to him. God's love is radical. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God takes his son, part of the Godhead, the, the part of the Trinity, he's his son, he says to him, it's time for you to go. And Jesus says, okay, dad, I'll go, I'll save the world. Down he comes, gets born, grows, finds himself in a place where they arrest him to and nail him to a cross, and they nail him to a cross, and he dies. And from that moment in history, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you are saved. 
earth from that moment. So it doesn't mean he's dying all the time. He's died. And once he's died, everyone who turns to him, they are saved. For me, that's radical. So let's talk about this then. Are you prepared to lay down your career? Are you prepared to lay down sport? Are you prepared to lay down family? I've had, I've had to lay down my whole family. None of them serve the Lord. Well, I've heard that one does and this one, but I, I don't know. Yeah, my, yes, I'm talking about my brothers and sisters. I've had to lay them down. I go, I go to where they used to live and I don't even visit them because they're not my family anymore. Not that there's anything between me and them. There's no unforgiveness or anything like that. It's just that we're not family anymore. You guys are my family. You know what? He laid it down. When I got saved, I was a professional football player. When I got saved, and the Lord said to me, you stop playing. I'll tell you what was the hardest thing that I ever had to do. And uh, I had to lay that thing down. But the Lord actually sent Patty to help me to lay that thing down. On my own, I couldn't do it. Really, I couldn't. I, I would it was such a thing, like on a Tuesday night, we went to soccer practice, then at the sports club, we had a few beers afterwards, all the friends, then we went home, and then on a Wednesday night, we came down for different type of training, had a few beers, go home, and we all convinced ourselves that beers were good for muscle. God's forgiveness is radical. Psalm 103 verse 12, as as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. How many times has somebody hurt you and you've forgiven them, but you don't forget? People often say, I've forgiven them, but I, I won't forget. It's not easy to forget after you've forgiven but work towards it. The way to beat it is to pray for that person continually. Pray for them. Eventually you'll beat that thing. His call is radical. Luke 9 and verse 23. Then he said to them, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. Obviously talking about eternity. If you give your life, when you die, you're saved. I believe that from the moment that you get saved, you actually step into eternity for your, your soul or your spirit. You step in and you walk. It's not when you die you finally enter. No, that's why there are many scriptures that speak about Sorting yourself out before you get there. No facet of his call is reasonable. You know what? If you look at history, if you look at the guys that have done the most, scientists, physicists, all those oaks, all the assists, none of them were reasonable people. They, did, they said, no, it's not like this. I'm going to get it like that. I'm going to change it. Light bulbs, 
Think about that guy. That, who was it again? Einstein. No. Edison. Okay. He's also the guy who did the phone line thing, eh? Bell. Oh, I wonder where he got his name from. But what about this one? You come here on a Sunday morning and Jenna's at the front here. She comes to the front and she's jumping and she's dancing and she's enjoying herself. And you're all watching her. You think, oh, she's a fanatic, man. What is a fanatic? Somebody who loves Jesus more than you. If we want to be relevant... I want to do this so that I'm part of the crowd. I want to wear the right clothes. I want to, uh, that sort of stuff. You're going you're to struggle. To, you're going to lose that radical edge. It's that ready. You know what? You don't even have to say stuff. People watch how you live and how you conduct yourself and how you speak. And they say, oh, I want to be like that oak. I heard Jonathan Sandfield say something the other day. He said, talking about gossip, he said, lips sink ships. God's message is radical. Acts 4 and verse 18 to 21. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. Now, Put yourself in this situation. They're calling you in. They're saying, you better not talk about Jesus again. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourself whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For we, could n- we cannot help speaking about what we've seen or heard. How can you speak if you haven't seen and you haven't heard? We need to be seeing and we need to be hearing. God's message has no shadows or compromise. For me, a shadow is something that comes over your heart. When it should be full sunshine. Have you seen when a cloud comes over, it casts a shadow? We need to make sure there are no clouds in our life. We'll be finding a compromise. God's message roots out, pulls down, destroys, and then builds up on the foundation of Jesus Christ. They were so good, I'll say it again. God's message roots out, pulls down, destroys, and then builds up on the foundation of Jesus Christ. A guy's team that I was on once before, he used to say, it's more important what you saved into than what you saved out of. We all know Isaiah 6.6, where it says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. When that coal touched Isaiah's lips, it changed the way that he spoke and it changed what he said. 
Just putting it out there, guys. It changed the way that he spoke and the things he said. I want to ask you, do you believe you're saying the right things as you go from day to day? Are you telling the right jokes? Something I had a struggle, I had a real struggle with. Because I like to joke and say things and prod people. And there was another guy that I knew, he said, Roland, this is the cliff edge. He said, take a step back so that you don't go over because I was going over too often. Be careful how you speak, when you speak. Because we need to proclaim a radical message, and people are not going to hear that message if it's coming out of mouth that is not holy, that hasn't been touched by that coal. The cost of our faith is not a sacrifice, but a privilege. We often think, oh, this is so difficult. Why do I have to go through this stuff? Uh, it's really difficult. No, you know what? It's not, a, it's not a, a sacrifice. It's a privilege. I don't do this because I have to. I do this because I want to. One of my favorite words for a long time, before I even joined... Uh, Josh Jen was cutting edge. We need to be on the cutting edge. The cutting edge is where everything takes place. Think about when, when you're cutting the meat and cutting the vegetables and cutting whatever the case is. The cutting takes place where the edge is sharp. And so we need to keep our sharp, ourselves sharp because a blunt knife is hopeless. I make curry on a Saturday in our house because I love curry. I grew up in Natal, so we love hot curry. Well, I love it hot. Patty likes it not too hot. But um, I make curry. And so there are things that you have to cut. And so before I even start, the, one of the first things I do is I take the knife and I get the sharpener and I sharpen that thing because I know that when I start cutting, I'm going to get frustrated if I can't cut that stuff one time. And so we need to keep ourselves in that place. We need to keep ourselves in that place. Because we serve a radical God, and He's calling us to be a radical people.